36 years of basketball knowledge and life skills. Your host, Coach Goins, focuses on today's topics on and off the court, helping players and coaches achieve their goals. So get ready for another fast break episode of Basketball More Than a Game with your host, Coach Goins. Hey, good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another fast break edition of Basketball More Than a Game, and I'm your host, Coach Goins. As we always say, make sure you got them laced up tight because today we're going to bring bringing you another dynamic uh, conversation with none other than Mr. Joe Sherrill, uh, who is from originally uh, North Carolina, but he is living here in the beautiful state of Virginia. But before we turn it over and welcome Coach Sherrill to the podcast, of course, we just want to mention our our sponsor, we certainly appreciate Mr. Curtis Jackson, uh, independent insurance agent out of North Carolina. So for you folks that listen in North Carolina, if you need any insurance needs, please reach out to Curtis Jackson, area code 919-614-5796. So coach, what's going on? I'm going to tell you. Uh, also, we uh, just got picked up by SoundCloud, so we're so excited about that. So you can we're available on uh, iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and Podbean.com. So without further ado, uh, just like I said, I have a dynamic uh, gentleman I've had the opportunity to know for about 12 years uh, in, in several capacities, and we'll get into that uh, here in a moment. But, uh, Coach Cheryl, welcome to Basketball More in the Game. Glad to be here, Lamont. Excellent, excellent. So, folks, what we're going to ask you to do, as we always do, kind of just lean, listen, and learn. And, as, and again, you'll have a golden opportunity because the, the gentleman that we've got on the Sunday conversation is a little bit different. He, he does more than just coach, uh, and I know that uh, firsthand. So, with that being said, uh, we'll just kind of give you a little bit of background. Like I said, I've known uh, Coach Sheriff for about 12 years, and in that 12 years capacity, he is also uh, my associate pastor, and he's an associate pastor at Victory Worship Center in, in Stanton, Virginia. Actually, that's where we're actually uh, sitting here live doing the show today. So, again, we certainly appreciate him taking out time. So with that, uh, Coach Sheriff, we're just going to jump right into this thing. And with okay. the first couple questions, we like to we entitle it Fast Break. So, and I know you know about that. And, folks, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about what he did uh, when he was uh, in that high school role. But in that, as a former high school star, which I know you were, what did you say or when did you realize that you could play at the next level? Well, I actually, for me, it was more football as far as playing at the next level. Okay. I enjoyed playing basketball, and I was good at basketball. But I always I, – I knew that football was my – my first game, just because of my ability to throw the ball. And I played quarterback. And uh, I think for me, going into my senior year, I, uh, you know, you're kind of looking at schools and, and you don't really know how you stack up and things like that. Mm-hmm. And I, I didn't know whether I wanted to try to go in and play at the next level. And I can remember one day it just dropped in my heart. I said, you know, I would rather try and not make it than to wonder the rest of my life, could I have done it? And so I thought if I go and I can't do it, then at least I'll know. And so I just decided to go for it and, uh, and try to make it. You know, I always felt like if I had wanted to play college basketball that I, I think I could have, but I felt like football was my first sport. You know, and, and there's nothing wrong with that. And just like we said in the title of the podcast, basketball more than the game. And again, we're just, we, we're just not exclusively talking to basketball, even though we're going to talk a little bit about basketball because we can't have the show without talking a little bit of, about the hoops. But no, uh, just to get a little background again, just as I said earlier, I had the opportunity to meet uh, Coach Cheryl about 12 years ago when I moved to Virginia and started attending Victory Worship Center. But he and I have traveled extensively. 
uh, with the ministry as well as you know checking out some games. I mean, we've been to some we've been to some stellar ball games in, in our 12 years, uh, all the way from you know chasing those Blue Devils down to Virginia Tech and an opportunity I think two years ago to make a trip to Kentucky to see his uh, nephew's outstanding player. And we'll talk a little bit about more about that yeah. uh, as as we move along. Uh, excuse me, as we move along. So. Since, we, again, we're talking football, so what do you, if you don't mind telling our listeners, your biggest transition from the high school gridiron to the college field? I think, the, you know, they always say that the game is faster, mm-hmm. and, and that's true. You know, being a quarterback for me, the speed of the defense was, was noticeably different, but the learning curve was so great in college. You know, I, I think by the time we had our first inter-squad scrimmage when I was a freshman, I was so lost that, you know, when they called a pass play, I just hoped to God that I knew where <laughs> one guy was going so that I could throw the ball to somebody. Um, it, it was There was so much uh, with the terminology, and, you know, there, there was so much going on. And it was, it was a really difficult transition for me coming in as a freshman you know, you have those those doubts. I mean, you see these guys running around out there, and they're bigger than you, and they're faster than you, and you go from being one of the best players in your school to now there's a whole bunch of those best players running around on the field. And finding that confidence in yourself and, and just being comfortable in your own skin and your own abilities, um, you, you can – it's easy to fall into that doubt – when you see all the other great athletes there. I can only imagine. So, folks, as, as we challenge you to make sure that you're, you're leaning, you're listening, uh, and then you're learning it, it, what uh, Coach Sherrill is framing out. And, it, again, it's confidence in yourself because, number one, uh, he, he was recruited. I went there to play and then, and then be able to, to realize that, you know what, I'm, I'm a big fish coming into a, a bigger pond and now I've got to realize that, you know, i got to take my loss. But, again, he just he laid it out there, you know, precept after precept, and we certainly appreciate him him sharing that. So let me – I've got two more questions in this first uh, session of Fast Break. What would you classify as your greatest high school moment? And the second part, what would you classify as your greatest college moment? Wow. You know, for me, I've always been real team-oriented. And I I think, for me, I've told this to my kids, the the most fun that I ever had in high school was my senior season of basketball. Okay. Uh, My junior year, we won five games. Wow. And and that was a long season. I can only imagine. And we had a lot of turmoil. We had literal fistfights in practice where words were exchanged and guys went at it. Wow. And just throwing down, as they say. <laughs> um, and it was, a, it was a rough year. And the next year, my senior year, we had a group of guys that we had been together for, since the eighth grade, really, you know, coming up through. And we could put five seniors on the floor at one time. And all of us knew each other. Mm-hmm. We liked each other. There were actually guys on the bench that had come up through us. We had played at the Y together. And so we really meshed and gelled. Everybody knew their role. Um, I was sitting at my son's basketball camp this past week and, and talking about it a little bit. And as we were watching a team play, okay. and you could tell 
that there was little power struggles going on mm-hmm. because certain kids didn't want to pass the ball to this other kid because they felt like he was going to shoot and things like that. And I was telling about my high school team. And on my team, you know, I mean, I could shoot and other guys could shoot, but we all knew the ball needed to go to Jeff Witt because <laughs> that dude was a player. And so we learned our roles, but to me that was fun. And so we went from my junior year, we won five games, mm-hmm. to my senior year, we won 18 wow. and lost five. And wow. we made it to the playoffs. And, uh, and so for us, none of us could remember anybody from our high school making the playoffs in basketball. It was a different world back sure. then, too. Sure. You didn't oh. have as many teams going. And I think, you know, there were two. we had a 10-team district and only two teams made it. And, uh, and so Gretna was the regular season champion, okay. and we were the tournament champion. Okay. And we, we beat Gretna, who was ranked in the top ten in the state. We beat them two out of three times that year. Wow. And beat them in their home gym and beat them in the tournament championship. What a difference a year makes. And yeah. so it, it was just it, – that was a lot of fun as far as a high school moment. Okay. Now, uh, you know, college moment? My favorite college moment would probably be my sophomore year. Uh, I played – I uh, played football at Emory and Henry, and my sophomore year we made it to the national semifinals. And you know we we didn't get to go home for Thanksgiving because we were there practicing football. And you know it was a lot of time, sure. it was a lot of commitment, but we were we were so excited because we had the opportunity. You know we we were looking, you know, wondering what that ring Man, might oh, look yeah, like man. on our finger. <laughs> That's exactly right. Size it up. Go ahead. And and you know it was exciting and. Uh, my daughter sent me a text today. She's actually at basketball camp at Emory and Henry, and she was walking down the hall, and she sent me a picture from this huge poster that they have on the wall of the gymnasium there, and it's the team that I played on that went to the national semifinals, and she took a, a picture of me in the team photo and circled my face. How about that? How about that? <laughs> and I sent her a text back and said, that's a handsome-looking dude, isn't it? <laughs> But you know, let's let's kind of frame that out. You know, think about it. I mean, turn, turn, you know, fast forward years down the road, and there's, uh, as you said, uh, Coach Harold's daughter Leah walking down the hall and 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 looking. And I can only imagine walking back in the, the alma mater of you know a parent, a, a loved one, to be able to see somebody. You know, to be able to go wow. Leah. And again, I mean, just just think about not just one from uh, Coach Cheryl's and uh, his viewpoint, but as well as his daughters, be able to walk in and see that and share that moment together. So, you know, what, what a great uh, what a great thing to happen uh, as as we approach Father's Day. So, again, we appreciate you sharing that uh, that moment. So now let's kind of go into a little pick and pop mood uh, mode here. And again, what we're doing here, we just and we call it that because we're going to look for the pick and then we're going to look for the pop. So what, we, what we're what asking here is now that his playing days are over, folks, uh, he's never walked away from the court and he never walked away really from the, from the field. Uh, he's uh, spent uh, tireless uh, time and efforts constantly giving back to the community uh, as well as his church family. But in that just dynamic, what he does on the floor as well as away from uh, the game of basketball and football. So, with that being said, Coach, just talk a little bit about. I know you did a travel team for Act Sports the last couple of years. Uh, just you know, if, if you don't mind sharing what you know, what you loved about that, what was challenging about you know coaching you know younger kids. So, if you don't mind sharing. Well, I've I've actually done a lot with younger kids over the last ten years. Um, I left high school coaching in 1994. I was teaching high school and coaching football and basketball at Sun Valley High School right outside of Charlotte. And, uh, and when, I went, when I left that, I went to, you know, I knew I was called to the ministry. Mm-hmm. 
and I went to went away to Bible school, and I thought I was done with coaching for my life at that point. And little did I know that I would do much more coaching after than I ever did before. Uh, in the last ten years, I recently wrote it all up, so you know, just you lose track over time. And in the past ten years, I have coached uh, forty-three youth sports teams. Forty-three. Forty-three. I've coached twenty-three consecutive seasons. If you count winter, uh, uh, fall, winter, right. and spring as your three seasons to the year, I've coached 23 consecutive seasons. And so I've done a lot with, with kids over that time. Um, uh, the last two basketball seasons, I've coached travel basketball for Axe Sports. One was a seventh grade boys team, and one was a seventh grade girls team. Anybody who's ever coached boys and girls can tell you they are very different. Watch out. When you're coaching boys and girls. Um, you know, for me, what I wanted to do was I wanted to uh, give kids the opportunity to get a little bit more prepared for JVs. Mm. You know, uh, in the area in which we live, kids can try out for JVs in the eighth grade. There's not a middle school program. And so it's difficult for them because they come out of seventh grade. Now, all of a sudden, they're standing there with ninth and tenth graders trying Correct. out for JVs. And so I wanted to take that opportunity to... Uh, to give them a little more development, give them more challenge, and, and the opportunity to, to grow and be better prepared. So that that's, to me, you know, I don't know how much you want me to talk about Act Sports. No, no, I mean, and then that, uh, you know, folks, just, just frame that out. I mean, so when if, you know, for you parents that are listening and you coaches are listening, you got questions, you know, t tap into the resource. You know, none of us are smart as, as, as all of us, and that's why, you know, we try to come into your homes uh, weekly and provide insight. Uh, and, again, and that's just the click of a button uh, to be able to listen to uh, Coach Cheryl as anybody else that we've had on just to find that little inside track and just go, hey, you know what, that's a resource. I can reach out and, and contact these guys and when I have those questions. So here we go. I'm, I'm going to go ahead and load this one up on pick and pop uh, as it uh, as relates to, you know, coming off of, again, going back to the, to your playing days. You, 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 you're the quarterback. I mean, can, I can only – I mean, I know how our quarterback was. I remember the Greg Peel. I mean, you're a quarterback in high school – on the high school football team. You're the man. I mean, it's just – let's just call it what it is. Uh, so, in that – and as you – tell us a little bit and share with the, uh, uh, the listening folks, what's it like being recruited? I mean, I've never experienced that. So, what is that? I mean, the letters are coming in. you got to make road trips. you got to go – got to make decisions. Mom and dad's at the table. Share that with us if you don't mind. Well – it was a different world when I was recruited. Now so much is done. Uh, you know, they, they can do stuff through social media. Uh, you know, there's a lot more resources. Back in my day when I was getting recruited, a lot of it was done by letter. Okay. I received letters from schools. And, um, you know, I kept a drawer full, uh, a, a dresser drawer <laughs> full of letters that I received. You know, and I was proud of the fact oh, that sure. I got those letters. and. You know, in the, in the bigger schools that, that would call uh, or, you know, you, back in those days, you'd get phone call on your home phone, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. you know, oh, the house or, you, phone. or you got a letter <laughs> in the mail. Um, for me, when it came when it came time, you know, you had so many visits that you could take. And uh, and I took visits to several different places. I, I visited, uh, took one of my visits to Appalachian State. I took one to East Tennessee State. I took one to Liberty University. And, uh, and then my last trip was to Emory and Henry. Okay. 
And uh, now I can remember when I was in high school, and uh, I'm sitting in class one day at school, and uh, the football coach came in my class and, and brought me out of class and said, there's a coach here that, that stopped in and wants to talk to you. And um, it was a coach from uh, when I went to Emory and Henry. It was a coach from one of our rival schools. Okay. You know, I didn't – but anyway, and he took me. He took my best wide receiver, Clark Grant, and took our linebacker who was all district. Both of those guys were all district too. And uh, Lawrence Williams was his name. And, uh, and so the three of us sat down in the guidance counselor's office. Coach comes in, and he starts talking. And he's telling us about his school, and he says, you know, if you come to such and such school, you know, you have an opportunity to impact things right away. If you do well, you could see playing time as a freshman, and goes on and on and on, all this kind of stuff. So, you know, life goes on right. after that visit. Right. The very next week, the coach from Emory and Henry, his name was Lou Wacker. Okay. And he came – Coach, my football coach came and got the same three guys out of class. <laughs> All right. We go, we sit down in the same office okay. where we were a week before, and Coach Wacker comes in, and he starts talking, and he says, more or less, now, it, it was almost like he was a fly on the wall when we had the conversation a week before. Okay. Because out of his mouth, he says, now, if you come to Emory and Henry, I can't promise you that you're going to play as a freshman because, uh, quite honestly, most freshmen that come into our program don't get the opportunity to play a whole lot. But I will say this, if a coach comes in and tells you that you're going to get to see substantial playing time as a freshman, you just have to ask yourself, what kind of program am I getting into? Wow. <laughs> and so, you know, to me, I went, hmm. <laughs> uh -huh, there, there, there's, a, there's a lot of truth there. And, uh, you know, I, I took a visit to Emory and Henry, and I liked the campus. Mm -hmm. I was, you know, I grew up in a small town. The small town atmosphere appealed mm -hmm. to me. I just knew that was the place for me. Uh, and, you know, I liked the setup of the school. I liked the small classrooms. Um, you know, a lot of people have questions about, like, what is Division Three like? Right. You know, they, they think almost like that it's like glorified high school. You know, and they don't have a concept. All they know is what Alabama or Auburn sure, or Virginia right. Tech looks like. And, you know, I've often told people when you're talking about a football in particular, when you go somewhere like a Division three school, you actually in a lot of ways have really good football players because when you're at a Division three school, you have guys who want to go there to play football. Right. And what you have is you have – guys that are maybe just a little too short or maybe they're a step too slow or maybe they just don't weigh quite enough. And so, you know, you, you might have a guy who's a linebacker who's only five foot nine. Okay. And he's not going to get recruited by Virginia Tech or Virginia because he's only five nine. Right. But you've got a five nine guy that can play football. Correct. And so that's the kind of guys that we had. You know, we had a we had a six foot one quarterback my first two years who was first team parade all-american and was one of the best football players i've ever seen in my life but if he was six five he'd right he'd have been playing somewhere else but you know it's just to me i don't regret it at all right i enjoyed uh, i enjoyed playing you know there were certainly things that i didn't enjoy right <laughs> right sure but uh, you know i didn't to me i never looked at it as a step down. Right. 
you know, I went and I visited Appalachian State. I told this story to somebody recently. Um, I'm at Appalachian State. They've got a whole room full of recruits okay. when I'm there. Mm-hmm. I mean, all these guys running around and coaches are in there. And, and then we go down on the sideline, and I'm standing on the sideline at the game. And I'm standing there looking around, and there's these 300-pound guy, guys running around as fast as I am hitting people and stuff. And I'm like, good, googly moogly. <laughs> I felt like Grady. <laughs> and, I, I mean, it was an eye-opening experience sure. to me. And, uh, you know, I just, I don't know, it just didn't fit. To me, I was looking for the right fit. Sure. And so that, I think that's important. And, and when I was at Emory and Henry, we had guys that went to Division One schools and then transferred out and came to us because it just, it just didn't fit. fit. Right. You know, so again, and they, and folks, you know, so don't don't get hung up on, uh, and, and we've had this uh, in, in, uh, from an earlier guest uh, this year, and, and don't get hung up on because it's D1, D2. No, you, you need to go where you, number one, you're going to get the education, number two, where you can play and then have the – you know the the reality set in to be able to go and say you know what I, I like it here and it, because you know just as coach framed it I don't care if you go to Duke or Carolina guys transfer in and out of those places every single year uh, so it's not about uh, not about that it's about making sure it's the right uh, right fit for you so with that we're gonna give Coach Cheryl an opportunity to catch his break before we jump into the second half uh, so if you are looking for a great place for uh, youth sports. Uh, go to playactsports.com for your recreation sports needs, and I guarantee you uh, in the local area you will be very excited about what you see. So, again, that's playactsports.com for your recreational sports needs. All right, Coach, we're going to switch a little bit and kind of get into the second half. We're going to really focus in on a little bit of the defense, and it's called In Your Face. So with this, in this session, we want to talk a little bit about leadership. When did you or when did somebody recognize the leader in you? I think other people probably saw it in me before I saw it in myself. Okay. Um, you know, one of the things, I, you know, a lot of times people equate being a leader, particularly in sports, as being someone who has to run their mouth and talk all the time. You know, I was never a vocal player in any sport. You know, I've always said I can't even shoot and talk at the same time. Okay. You know, when I, on the basketball court, I was not a trash talker because I can't, you know, um, I'm, I'm a quiet, I'm more of a, a thinker and, uh, and, and, and an introvert. I don't express those emotions outwardly necessarily when I play. But, uh, you know, I think I always had that leadership quality in me as an athlete, um, you know, if we're walking around the, the hallway of the school, I might not say anything to some of these guys. But when we walked in the huddle, if you're talking in my huddle, I'm going to make you shut up. Right. And because when I step in there, it's it's my huddle. Yes. And you listen to me. And, you know, I think for me early on, I learned the things that motivated people. And if, if, we're, if we're in a football game and we walk in the huddle and the coach – calls a trap and I'm and you're the guard and I know you've got the biggest block that's mm-hmm. going on you know I'm going to look you right in the eye and say hey this is your play right here yeah. you know make this block and it'll go for a gain right and you know if you're on the basketball court a lot of it is about roles and you know maybe I've got this guy who's who's playing with me and I can you know I know he needs to rebound he might not can throw the ball in the ocean standing in a boat, 
but I know he can rebound. And so I'm going to encourage okay. the things that I want to see him do. Right. And so I, I think to me, I, I learned those things early on playing to encourage the things that I wanted to see, see. happen. Okay. I, I was not one to ride somebody when they did wrong, but I want to encourage the things that I want to see more of. Okay. Now, I know each of us, you know, we, we deal with this. We have our strengths and our weaknesses. So in that, on that same vein, if you don't mind sharing, what would you classify as your greatest strength? And it doesn't have to be coaching. So I'm just, the, the, the mic is yours. Wow. What would I classify as my greatest strength? Um, you know, I guess uh, right now the easiest way for me to go would probably be in the realm of coaching. Um, you know, I'm a very, as a coach, I, I tend to be very organized and detail-oriented. Um, I like to have a plan. If I'm going into a practice or going into a game, I would rather have a plan and deviate from it than walk in and fly by the seat of my pants. Yep. And, and a lot of that just goes to my personality. You know, when I'm, when I'm there, first of all, I like to make the decisions that, uh, you know, I, I'm, uh, as I say, I, I've coached a lot of youth. Mm -hmm. And so I want to make an evaluation on what I think is best for my team. Okay. And so to me, the first thing I want to do is make an evaluation of what is my purpose. And so I think, and I think for youth sports, that is extremely important as a coach is to decide what is your purpose? Why do you have this team? Because we are, tend to be very competitive people because we've been in sports mm -hmm. and we've coached. And you get in that situation, it's very easy for that competitiveness to take over. So while I'm sitting down outside of the realm of the competition, I can make decisions based on what is best for the learning and development of my players as it relates to my purpose for that team. And so then I don't get in the middle of the game and my competitive nature pushes aside what's best. Right. And so, you know, for me with younger kids, to me the most important thing is not always winning. Right. The most important thing is the development of the player as it, as it relates to the fundamental skills of the game and the development of them as a person. And so I want to fashion my practices and how I conduct myself and how we even uh, substitute and rotate in a game so that those things reinforce what we're trying to accomplish. And so to me, I have to do that when I'm removed from the competition and make a plan. And it helps me to put the best interest of every kid first. And, you know, and it just depends on what your purpose is as a team. Now, when I was coaching in high school, you know, it's different when you're sure. co coaching varsity boys basketball than when you're coaching seven- and eight-year-olds in basketball. Right. You know, my, my ultimate goal with seven- and eight-year-olds is not to win every game. Right. You know, that's not my first most important thing. Um, you know, and as a youth coach, I have told people many times that – I, I want to treat kids the way that I would want someone else to treat my kid. Notice I didn't say I want to treat them the way that I treat my kids. Correct. Because I have a relationship with my kid, and you have a relationship with your kid. So you may treat your kid 
in a certain way because of that relationship, but you don't have a relationship with this other kid over there. So if you treat them the way you treat your kid, it's not going to come across the same way because the relationship is not the same. So I say treat that kid the way I would want someone to treat my kid. And I, I think, you know, with the, the respect and, you know, you can, you can push someone as a, as a young athlete, um, but they still maintain that respect for you and you, you maintain that, that respect for them and how you treat them, how you speak to them. And, uh, you know, I've read this, uh, there's, a, there's a book that uh, the Fellowship of Christian Athletes uses a lot called 3D Coaching. Okay. Yep. And I know you're familiar with that. And it talks about um, uh, dealing with the heart behind the jersey mm-hmm. first. And realizing that there's a person inside of that jersey. And as a coach, many times it's easy for us to just look at the exterior and what they can do. But, you know, you think about it as a person. Anytime somebody just treats you, you know, if your employer, if they just look at you as what you can do and what you can accomplish, that over time, that wears thin on you. And so you want to know that your employer cares about you as a person. And as an athlete, athletes want to know that you care about them as a person. And the old saying holds true that um, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And if people know that you care about them, you know, if, if kids know that you care about them, then your correction and your discipline comes across differently. And if parents know that you care about their kid, they can deal with that correction differently. But if they don't know that you care about their kid, then it's easy for that to come across as you're just being mean and being a jerk. And so I, I think that dealing with the person, now for me as a coach, it's about more than just the sport. You know, I'm, I have taken kids on my team before just because I thought I could help them as a person. Right. And that's just a part of how I'm wired and who I am as a person. Um, you know, I, I like to see kids that I feel like I can impact. Sure. And so that's very important to me. Oh, yeah. So, you know, folks, Coach Joe Sherrill, um, so you, and you ask him why he's on basketball, won the game, because that was true in your face. Uh, he just laid it out, as I sat here, and, and he just was – and it was almost like he was in the operating room. And, and you know, for all of the coaches, you parents that listen, you know, listen to what he says, you know, relationship before the test. There's a heart behind the jersey. Uh, and so, again, we just can't thank him enough for just, you know, allowing us to, to dip into that section of, of in your face and what that's all about. So as we transition into uh, the last phase of the podcast, we just want to make sure that you understand that we are available on iTunes, Stitcher, as well as SoundCloud and Podbean.com. So we are so excited uh, as we continue uh, to move forward, uh, not only with today's uh, Sunday conversation, as we call it, uh, but, again, we just thank everybody. Uh, and don't forget to like, subscribe, and leave us a comment. And we certainly appreciate everything that uh, has been coming down the pipe so far. So as we turn into the last uh, session, we, as we call In the Paint, this is where we're going to find out who's sitting across the mic from me. I know him, but you guys don't know him. Uh, and then that, I know he has a heart after God because, again, he is the associate pastor 
of uh, Victory Worship Center. If you don't know anything about Victory Worship Center uh, here in Stanton, Virginia, you need to find out uh, what's going on, as I say, up on the hill. Uh, because it is just absolutely dynamic. I said I've been here 12 years and just been able to to be a part and just come in and, and just to be able to develop myself personally as well as spiritually and just being led by, again, by Pastor Joe Sherrill as well as uh, Pastor Ray Effort. But in that, uh, let's kind of talk a little bit about how, how do you balance? I mean, you, you, you look, listen, folks, he's already told us he's had, you know, 43 teams uh, that he's coached over there. So let's talk a little bit about work-life balance. Um, you do that. I know you just you're fresh off the road uh, with your son and those went down to UVA wise, but you know, share with a, basically from the, from a coaching standpoint, you know, if you can share with the coaches that are, that are subscribers, how does pastor Joe handle pastor Joe as well as coach Joe and make, and he's a husband and he's a father. So let's talk, talk. How, how do you deal with all of that? Well, it's not easy. Um, you know, there, there's a lot going on. Um, you know, I made the choice a number of years ago that I wanted to be involved with my kids. Mm-hmm. You know, my dad, I, I guess I will go back and credit him largely. Uh, when I was growing up, my dad uh, it was, was a Baptist pastor, and, um, and so he had flexibility in his schedule. And most of my football practices – he attended, and now he wasn't sitting right there on the sideline. He was off at a distance with some other dads, and, you know, they were probably 100, 150 yards away, but where they could watch what was going on. Mm-hmm. Um, he was at every uh, sporting event that I had in high school. Uh, I think he and my mom missed one game when I was in college, and that was a game that was uh, a long trip away, and they just they couldn't make it to that. And so, you know, mom and dad supported me in everything that I did, and they were there for me. And I wanted to be like that for my kids, I think, seeing it modeled for me. And so, you know, we may not, my wife and I may not be involved in a whole lot of other things, but we want to be involved with our kids and involved in the sports that they do. You know, I said earlier that I thought I was done with coaching mm-hmm. when, I, when right. I left high school. Um, <laughs> I just, you know, sometimes you don't realize uh, the things that God puts on the inside of you and how those things are going to come out over time. And I think that I had that coach's heart, and and I, you know, I feel like that God has given me an ability to teach kids. You know, I I taught high school, right? And I was a PE teacher, and you learn how to break a skill down and how to explain it in a way that kids can understand it, and. You know, I thought that maybe I missed it, you know, because I went into teaching and maybe I wasn't listening to what God had for my life. I believe now that it was all a part of the plan in in how I, I got to where I am because I use all of the skills that that I learned as a teacher and as a coach. I've used those through the years. Um, you know, as a, as a father... Um, and as a husband, you know, you have to prioritize things and you have to make sure that you spend the time. You know, it's an easy thing to do when you're coaching. Uh, there's two sides of the ditch. Mm-hmm. There's, there's the ditch <laughs> where, you know, we've all seen the coaches that they coach their kids. Correct. And the other kids just happen to be yeah, there. Right. 
And it's also easy to get so focused on coaching the team that you forget about your kid. Mm -hmm. And so the way that I balance that is, you know, when I'm there, I try to coach the team. And just like any other parent, I, I would try to spend time outside. You know, if I noticed that my kid was struggling with a certain thing when we were in practice, you know, we would go home and we would hit the field ourselves and work on stuff. Um, and, you know, it's always important to maintain the, the relationship at home. You know, I, I read something actually today. Okay. And, uh, and the, the phrase that it said, it was, it was from a book called Love and Respect by Emerson Edgerich. I think I said his name right. And uh, in it, he said, he was basically saying, I come third. You know, it's, it's what God wants first. It's what my spouse wants second, and then I come third. And, and I think that, that is, goes a long way towards it. I need to be obedient to what God tells me to do and live the way that I feel like that, that God wants me to live my life. But I also need, I, I can't just forget about my spouse and my family. You know, I have to keep those things in mind. And, you know, as a dad, I think here we are, uh, you know, this coming Sunday will be Father's Day yes. as far as us taping. I don't know right. when this is going to air, but, you know, Father's Day is quickly coming on us. And as dads, you know, we can be, uh, you know, I think it's hardwired into us to sacrifice for our family, you know, and uh, I think us dads, we're, we're more than willing to sacrifice our time and put in that extra effort if it'll benefit our wives and our kids. And, and so for me, you know, it comes about those things. I, I want to follow after God. I want to be uh, attentive to my family, to my spouse. And, and then, you know, the other thing comes third, the sport. Uh, you know, the, and there's always, a, there's always times where you have to balance things out. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes, um, you know, you may be in a season where things happen a certain mm -hmm. way. But it needs to be a season and not an all the time. You know, for a season, I can dedicate more time to this. But as a whole, I, I need to keep that balance with my family. So, again, we certainly appreciate him, you know, stopping and, and peeling back and, and, and allowing us to, to see exactly what, what's made him successful. You know, so, again, coaches, uh, you know, again, we, we challenge you to, to take, uh, take what you've heard and apply it where, uh, where you can apply it to, to help you uh, continue uh, what, what you know, the Lord has uh, assigned for you to do, uh, as well as not just sports-wise, again, as, as Coach just framed it out, just to be the well-balanced person uh, that you can. So as we continue to find out who Coach Cheryl is, I know who he is, but we're going we're gonna to talk a little bit about his favorite basketball team, the University of North Carolina Tar Heels. I know they were victorious, and he's also a Dallas Cowboy fan. So I got a couple of questions I want to toss at him in reference to in reference to that. Uh, so with that uh, first question, what is your greatest Tar Heel moment? Wow. I don't know that I can narrow it down to a one. Okay, we'll I, get, get I can give a couple. All right, give me a couple. That's fine. Um, you know, I can remember watching the game in 1982 when Michael Jordan hit the 17-foot jump shot to win the national championship. Okay, I remember that well. Uh, I remember watching the game when uh, Carolina beat Michigan okay. to win the national championship. Uh, uh, you know, 
those are ones that, that stick out to me, but I can even remember all the way back to, you know, uh, Walter Davis Ooh. making the, the half-court shot, bank shot in. Uh, um, you know. He's dating himself, ladies and gentlemen. I am. I, I was a small child then. Um, you know, for me, I can eat. I remember when uh, Carolina had recruited Michael Jordan. Okay. And, uh, you know, back in the, in the day – Every year you got the ACC handbook. Okay. And, uh, and in the ACC handbook, it would line out all the returning players and, you know, talk about their, what, what was happening in the upcoming season. And then in the, in the last part of the section on the team, it would talk about their incoming freshmen. And uh, I can remember reading a little article, just a little segment on Michael Jordan, and it talking about him. And they actually compared him to David Thompson. In that, in that little thing that they read there. And then he came in as a freshman, and one of the first things I remember him doing was he would do fundamental things, like if he was on, like taking a 12-foot shot from the wing, he would bank it in. You know, he would use the backboard, mm-hmm. and he would, he would do the fundamental things. But when I read that article and I saw those things about him, I said, you know, this guy's going to be my favorite player. And I, and I knew it from before he that? ever played a game at Carolina. I'm like, I'm gonna like this guy because <laughs> fundamentally uh, he was he worked on it. He, he worked on his game. Well, I knew who David Thompson was, well, <laughs> and when they compared him to David Thompson, I thought this it's guy's gonna be good. <laughs> How about that? So fast forwarded uh, years later. So so let me, I, I got to ask you this question: How did you become a Carolina fan? I mean, just what made you go? Okay, I'm 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 here. I'm, I'm not going any further. Wow. Um. You know, growing up, I really liked – this is going to sound strange to anybody from the state of North Carolina, but I really liked NC State and Carolina okay. a lot. But, I mean, back in the days when David Thompson was at NC State, you know, I was a little boy, mm-hmm. and uh, I was six and seven years old, and he was my favorite player. I actually had the opportunity to meet him and get an autograph from him uh, a number of years ago. But, you know, I liked Carolina as well. I liked, I liked Dean Smith and, and how he coached. Um, but for me, I guess the first time that I really pulled hard for Carolina was in the 81 championship game okay. when they lost to Indiana. Wow. Oh, uh, yeah. Al Wood and uh, Jimmy Black and, and those guys. You know, I remember watching that game. Yes. Uh, and that was one of the first championship games that I really watched and got into when I, when I was a young kid. And, uh, and so – for me, I think that was a big turning point, was watching that championship game. The next year, Michael Jordan came in, mm-hmm. and, you know, I could remember uh, – I, I remember those guys coming in, uh, James Worthy, Sam Perkins, Michael Jordan, and, and every year you see all those guys coming in. And, you know, I liked the way they played. I, I liked, uh, you know, I liked the color. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but you think about it, you know, and that's what's missing. And, and that's another show, another dime. But I tell you what, when – when uh, Coach Sherrill was dropping down, I mean, you know, Worthy Perkins, and then when he's talking about even that national championship, I can remember the, the open up the Sports Illustrated and had Isaiah Thomas going in for a layup, and, and I think it was, a, and the child should lead them. Uh, That's but right. I know I know Al Wood had a, had a monster game, and it was it was. I mean, I just thought for sure. And I can I remember those uh, blue Converse that they were wearing back then. So he just he he helped coach kind of dust it back then as he was dropping those names. So for you young guys that don't know who those guys were, that's why it's called YouTube. Uh, make sure you pull it up and, and check it out. All right, so we told we told you that he was a Cowboys fan, so we're gonna set the table up for the same way. 
Um, and I I know the jersey that he wears, but I'm not going to leak that out, and I let him have that opportunity to talk about uh, the fellows from uh, down in Texas because he is a uh, big-time Cowboy fan, nothing wrong with that whatsoever. So go ahead and uh, give us your f- a couple favorite Carolina uh, – excuse me, uh, Dallas Cowboy fan moments, if you don't mind sharing it. Oh, you know, for me, I can remember the – the first Super Bowl that I ever remember watching, and I'm sure you probably enjoyed this one, was uh, when the Cowboys lost to the Steelers. 1978. And, uh, no. Oh, 76. Yeah. Okay. The, I'm that, sorry. That first one. First, okay. And uh, you know, and that I think that started my dislike of the Steelers. <laughs> then, um, but but watching, you know, when Tony Dorsett came out uh, as a rookie, and the Cowboys ended up, ended up with him. And then that year when he was a rookie and they won the Super Bowl. Okay. And uh, they, they beat the Broncos, Oops. I believe it was, in the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. And that was, you know, for me, I mean, I'm a, you know, when you're a kid and your team wins the Super Bowl, it just don't get any yeah. better than that. No, sir. No, sir. And, and so uh, that, was, that was a big one for me. I enjoyed that thoroughly. That and after all the years through the late 80s and everything when the Cowboys were so bad, you know, that Troy Aikman mm-hmm. was rookie season. They went 1-15. and 15. And, you know, I was teaching high school at Sun Valley, and my roommate and I were both Cowboy fans, and we had two guys that used to come over every Sunday. And uh, my roommate had uh, – I don't even remember what it was called at the time, but we, where we could watch the Cowboys game every Sunday. And he had a big screen TV before everybody had big screen TVs. Okay. And so the four of us Cowboy fans would watch the Cowboys every week. <laughs> and I can remember we finished one season, and and we were all like, next year we're going to be really good. And so then uh, over the course of a couple seasons, then seeing us go all the way to the Super- and win the Super Bowl in those, those 90s teams with Emmitt Smith and Troy Aikman and Michael Irvin. And uh, that was a lot of fun. Oh, too. I can imagine. Was it back to back, ninety two, ninety three? If mm-hmm. I'm not, yeah, not my mistake. But anyway, I mean, as coach, I'm a huge Steeler fan. But you know, one thing about the being a Steeler fan and and also sitting across from the the, the Cowboys here, and the, as we as we do this podcast, you, know, you just think back on the great players. I mean, you think, you know, I think about Roger Staubach and. He mentioned Tony Dorsett, and I remember the catch. I think it was Butch Johnson Butch made. Butch Johnson. He was diving across. Wouldn't the, count today. You know? <laughs> but, uh, I mean, you know, you go to your Billy Joe Dupree, Robert Newhouse, Ron Springs, I mean, Everson Walls. I mean, I don't, I'm not a Cowboys fan, but, I mean, those guys and, and the plays that they made as a football fan, uh, you just want to stop and recognize those guys. With, uh, again, the game is what it is today because great players like that, I don't care uh, what uniform they're wearing. Uh, and again, it's just a tremendous, tremendous career. And again, as we start uh, start winding winding the things up, you know, first of all, we just want to thank uh, Coach Joe Sherrill for what he continues to do and and, and being led by God and then everything that he puts his heart and his hands to. Uh, nothing but good stuff and positive stuff comes out. But as again, uh, the show won't air. Uh, you you hear us mention Father's Day uh, quite often. It, it, this the show will, will air early August, but it is Father's Day, and I would definitely like to dedicate this show to uh, Pastor Joe Sherrill's father. Uh, you know, just uh, and I had an opportunity to meet him several years ago, and 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 he's passed. And, and then whip that I know, and and there's not in the twelve years I've known Pastor Joe, there's. You know, times that he's always made reference to his dad and his dad supporting him and his family. And again, as we said earlier, had the opportunity 
to go out and, and spend time with his sister in Kentucky and her beautiful family. So again, just uh, you know, and, and it just shows you that uh, that he was raised right uh, by God fearing parents. But in that, I uh, just uh, certainly appreciate everything that Mr. Cheryl did for his family because I definitely see it, you know, passed down through his kids, and I, and I experienced that for 12 years of just having a, again not just a relationship. I call uh, Coach uh, Joe Cheryl a, a true, true friend. So in that, Coach Cheryl, I'll turn the mic over to you uh, for your closing comments. Well, uh, you know, you just talked about my dad, and uh, I think I'll I'll close talking about my dad because uh, dad passed away this past September. Um, you know, he grew up in a family where um, his father left home when he was three months old. And uh, so he grew up in a family without a dad. And uh, his mom passed away when he was 16. He was in high school and uh, she died of cancer. And, you know, to see what dad left behind you know, I was the last of five kids. I have three older brothers and an older sister. And, and they all, all of my brothers and sister, have, they have beautiful families, uh, great kids, and the legacy that Dad left. And, you know, it wasn't that everything was handed to him. He was born the year that the stock market crashed and grew up in the Great Depression and was in the Air Force and the Korean War started. And then he was getting ready to get out of the Air Force, and he got sent to Vietnam. And, you know, things weren't easy for him. Right. But he made choices on what he felt like was right. And he was a very principled person and very, I will say, determined <laughs> in pursuing the things that he felt like was right. And I think that he passed those things along to his family and, uh, you know, and I see the legacy of who my father was in my kids. And I believe that's something that will live on for generations to come. And I'm thankful for him, uh, just one man who was willing to take a stand for the things that he felt like was right and raise a family the way that he felt like was right. And I see the lasting impressions, and I would challenge uh, any of you out there that you know your legacy uh, will live on and so make the choice to to live life principled and by the things that you know are right because people are always watching and you're always influencing someone and so the greatest Legacy that you can leave behind is impacting future generations. So, again, that's just eloquently put, and uh, that's Coach Joe Sherrill. And so, again, don't ask me again why he's on the show. Uh, just sit back and enjoy everything that uh, that he's laid out in front of us today. So, again, uh, as we start to wrap up, it has been an honor and privilege uh, to have you on the show. And, we can again, we just uh, wish uh, Godspeed as you continue to move forward and what he has done for you. So don't forget to check us out on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and Podbean.com. And always remember, as I start to close the show, somebody somewhere is working on the game, and our scripture verse is John 14, 6. I am the way, the truth, and the light. And I'm your host, Coach Goins, and I will see you in the gym. Bye.